Hey all, for this and some other episodes, if you want to see the unedited video of the Zoom call, go to patreon.com slash philosophyimprov and sign up for a small per episode donation. Thanks. This is Philosophy versus Improv, where two sages try to teach each other a thing or two, and maybe you, the audience, get something out of it as well. This is Mark Glintzenmeyer. I'm a philosophy dude who is here to learn some improv. And I am Bill Arnett, an improv dude, here to muck about in the philosophy pool for a little bit. We haven't had one without a guest in a while. During some Partially Examined Life discussion recently, and the listeners will figure out which one, I actually wanted to start improving with the people on the call. I did not. I did not dare. The bug has bitten you. Because it seemed like this was a thing to explore, and I could have you explore it instead. Sure. if, If this is compatible with what you had in mind for today, I'm wondering if you would start a scene where you are a character who has some sort of irrational belief, maybe not irrational, but something that is a strongly held thing that I'm supposed to argue against. I guess it would be best if it would strike the audience as quite irrational. Well, believe it or not, this might actually dovetail in with the improv lesson. Funny how that happens. Almost as though perhaps our fear that it ever might not is unfounded. All I ask of you is that in the chat, you send me a behavior. Now, we've talked about behaviors before. This is how we describe other people to each other. Oh, there's this guy at the office, and he's just always wants to talk. Weekend plans, partying, romantic conquests of various degrees of dubiousness. My uncle, he just always wants to talk directions. That's all he cares about. How do we get somewhere? It's it's all he wants to talk about. So if there's a behavior you have in mind, whatever it is, I'm going to try my lesson here, and I'm going to see if we can make this work. See, it's just that I just told you one. So if I was going to send you one in the chat, private from the listeners right now, it would be stubborn or closed-minded or something. I'm leaving it open whether, you know, eventually I can convince you and change your mind or, or what actually happens, whether it's all about me convincing you something or I give up. But you want something different than that in addition to that. I will take stubborn. I was okay. thinking that we could go even further away and weave an even more textured tapestry. Okay. Let me try to think of something orthogonal that you could be <laughs> stubborn. But then is that the right word? <laughs> I do like stubborn. How about the word orthogonal? Is that is that can you also be orthogonal? Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to translate that into no. Well, you know, if you think about it, someone who's probably very rigid, they either move forward or backwards or left and right, and that's it. Awesome. We'll begin our scene with stubborn being my suggestion. We'll begin it now. All right, uh, Mark. It's nice to see you again. I hope you went through all the dietary things I asked of you to lay off milk, and let's see if that helps your indigestion problems you've been having. Thanks for having me back to the orthogonon here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a very cool shape to the building you got. and uh, I'm, Yeah, I didn't I'm, design it, not the architect, but the practice does rent the fourth floor here. I've just really been having such ongoing issues mm-hmm. with my digestion. Did you cut out the milk? Know. Like I asked, I asked to cut out the milk. I've had almost no milk. I have a lot of oat milks, almond milks, and that kind of stuff. I have had pizza many, a few nights, but not straight milk. That's going to invalidate. That's going to, I asked you, we need to cut out dairy. We need two weeks of cutting out dairy. So can I, can we just see you back in two weeks? Is that fine? I mostly, I mean, except for the pizza. We need to cut out dairy. 
I did cut out the other things you asked. You had said no citrus. You said no, you know, Good. really acidic stuff. Mm-hmm. Grapefruit. I have not had any. Oh, you're counting grapefruit? Okay. Yes. Well, I, I didn't have orange juice. Okay. Like normal. I switched it up. Okay. I'm going to make a list of right grapefruit. Now. Make a list of acidic citrus vegetables. It's just I didn't drink a lot of grapefruit juice because I, I think it's nasty. It's just that. So, you know, I'd have just. I don't want oh. you to drink any. I want you to drink zero citrus, zero orange, grape, lemon, lime. Those are all off. Okay. And no dairy, cheese, milk, yogurt, ice cream, non-dairy milks are okay. Oat, almond, that that is all perfectly fine. Nothing comes from a cow. Nothing that comes from a semi-tropical citrus tree. All right. So I can't do any more work until we get that out of your diet. Well, I mean, I'm already paying for the the hour. So, I mean, let's talk about you. How did you get into this field? I was really good at school. I just wanted to stay in school. And doctoring ended up being the best path to stay in school as long as I possibly could. Yeah, but why the Orthogonon in particular? Why this organization? They happen to be the conglomeration of medical professions. Is all, look, I can't. This we're wasting our time. I cannot help you until you follow my dietary restrictions. Over. It's just that I we have the time. I mean, maybe there's something wrong. Why do you think? Of course, I know that pizza cheese is dairy. Why do you think? Do you find other patients violate their pledges in that way? A number one most common source of abdominal distension. All these symptoms you said, dairy followed by citrus. Especially for a person your age, for a man your age. Those are culprits one and two. It's just I didn't get the pepperonis. Like I thought the, the spicy pepperonis were. Pepperonis, uh, fine. Pepperonis, that would be number three. Should we knock dairy and citrus off the list? We'll move to number three. This is a very ordered process. We restrict the diet, check the results, go back to new restrictions if required. Would you like a flow chart? Have you done all these things? I don't have abdominal distensions. Well, then how would you know? Medical school. Medical school. Right, we're wasting. You're wasting my time. You have the facts. Wouldn't you rather be on TikTok right now, seeing what all the influencers are doing? Wouldn't that be fun for you? I mean, when I go on TikTok, I'm looking at people of like how to deal with your stomach cramps. And so, you know, I thought it was more responsible to come here. But you're telling me, go to WebMD, go to, you know, Barney or whoever on TV land is telling me how to fix my stomach. I'm telling you for two weeks. And in fact, I got my calendar up right now. I have an appointment exactly two weeks from today at this exact same time. We can do nothing for you until you follow these dietary restrictions. Zero, zilch, nothing. Do you not think, though, that the perfect is the enemy of the good? La, 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 la. That I've had much less dairy than normal. So can't we at least like check out and see if the symptom, you know, I have noticed it seems like it's a little better, but it's like you haven't even asked me about my experience. I need those symptoms to be gone. And I need you to follow the dietary restrictions. Just because it's a little better, I could be any number of causes. So what would be the next step? The next step is the first step. Let's go back to step one. If I had done these things uh-huh. and I said, came in and said, I have not had any of these things. So what would you be asking me then? I would say, good. Don't drink dairy anymore. Check. <laughs> and so that's the whole treatment is just don't do these things. You could just write that on a little card. Why is my insurance paying massive amounts for this kind of level of advice? I thought you were going to actually do something. If I could snap my fingers and fix humanity, 
and have them not do the things that hurt them. <laughs> that seems so obvious. Well, yeah, I would, but then I'd be out of work. It's 99.5% of everything your doctor does is essentially tell you, don't do the thing that hurts. I was playing tennis and now my elbow hurts. Don't play tennis. Or except your elbow hurts. That's it. That's doctoring. That's 95% of doctoring right there. I've thrown a lot of percentages at you and those are researched. So if I was suffering from the bad effects of alcohol and I came in and your solution is just, well, don't drink. Yeah. And I came in having drunk less than before, you would still have nothing to say to me because it seems like that's a solution for just saying anybody who already has an issue with alcohol, they should just die. I put a gun to my head and I missed my brain when I fired it. Okay, great. Don't do that. Can I shoot myself in the foot? Can I shoot myself in the arm? Would that be acceptable? That's what I hear after my medical training. That's what I hear. It seems like that essentially for me, these kinds of foods are poisons. So if someone was in the habit of drinking poison on a regular basis, obviously not enough to kill them. It's not like shooting yourself in the head because you wouldn't be talking to them. They would just be dead. So your advice as a doctor, again, would just be, well, stop drinking the poison. Until you stop drinking the poison, I have nothing to say to you. I'm not going to deal with the why you drink the poison, that the poison is socially, that the pizza is so yummy and it's so convenient and you're at social events where they have pizza. It is like a food that was specifically created so that mothers who used to spend all day making food for their families could just like heat up something or order something and it liberated a whole group of people. And you're saying, well, too bad. Just don't eat pizza. We have an understanding. Imagine a life where you can't have milk, can't have ice cream, can't have yogurt, can't have cheese. Imagine that life. Hold it in your brain for a moment. All right. Now imagine a life where you don't wake up doubled over in pain. You don't have explosive diarrhea at all hours of the day. Imagine that life. You don't have to because that's what that's, those are your symptoms coming in. Which would you prefer? Pick one. Yummy milk and cheese and unpredictable diarrhea. There's the word. It's actually usually pretty predictable. So given that I work from home, as long as it's not something that's happening when I'm out on the town, that's not so bad. Then why even come here? The milk is more than likely followed by heavy acidic foods causing you to have urgent. How about, can we say urgent diarrhea? Would that, would that suffice? All right. So you're going to guarantee that if I do this one thing, if I stop being these things for, you know, for two weeks, fix this. It will not fix it. It will let us know if that's the cause. All right, I'll do this. How about we make a deal that I'll do this thing? A deal. We're making a deal. If you also do it with me, you don't eat those things, and then we'll see how your life changes. I don't eat any animal products whatsoever. Really? Well, I have one cheat, but that's it. What is your cheat? Kentucky Fried Chicken Gravy. Go big or go home. Okay, so I'll do the same thing. I'm just going to eat just Kentucky Fried Chicken Gravy for the next two weeks. Thanks so much. I'll see you later. All right. I hope I was stubborn enough. Yes, but you weren't irrational enough. (laughs) I tried not to be a total loon, but like otherwise, what do I have to work with? (laughs) I could have gotten more stubborn and irrational perhaps, Uh but you were getting kind of loony too. Well, I thought I was going to stumble on some other said (laughs) fast belief you had that the reason for not having these products was, you know, stronger than just medical knowledge that it was. Sure. They were evil. They were cursed. 
So what did you feel like you got out of, it's hard to talk about <laughs> convincing somebody of something when my arguments, actually, I think the argument about the alcohol was pretty good. Like, I think you would be being a, a bad doctor yeah. <laughs> if you really had that, you know, like, no, okay, you take one step at a time. But it wasn't quite the like you're arguing that the earth is flat or something like that. It was. I think the irrational part for me was probably denying you a humanity. I have certainly met people who just seem to have no understanding of humanity. And like, it's fun to go out to have parties. I mean, it's destructive to stay up late and close the bar. But a couple times a year, it's a fun thing to do, you know. And hey, we got a babysitter and the wife. We, we haven't done this in years. Isn't this fun? It may be quote-unquote destructive, but it's a piece of humanity. And I think sometimes doctors or people in the health sphere, all the way from the most respected Mayo Clinic, all the way down to some rando, I don't want to say GNC, but someone pushing supplements online, mm -hmm. they tend to, at points at sometimes to just deny people their humanity. And I think that's kind of irrational, if that makes sense. For sure. And maybe this is the Actually, right now, I've been reading some Taoism. We haven't really talked to Eastern philosophy much at all. This is kind of to shift gears, but you know, that it is, of course, very much in line with what we do in improv of living in the moment and sure. all that stuff that you've heard about the connectedness, not getting too wrapped up on formal names for things and distinctions and just getting rid of stubbornness in any form. I had not heard that notion of stubbornness being anti-Dao, which I kind of like. Many people in the improv world can point to Taoist things, or at least what they believe are Taoist things. I mean, they talk about be, be yielding, sort of take yeah. the feminine position, as they, in a sexist way, put it. But the whole point of, you know, it's a mixture of several things, but at least one of them is just to go with the flow, roll with the punches. And of course, although this could be another one of those things that, just because you as a performer are doing that doesn't mean your character has to do that. Exactly. And you can enjoy those little air gaps between your understanding and your character's understanding. There's a lot of humor and enjoyment as a player when you can create those moments, for sure. What you're saying is this idea of arguing with someone who is irrational or has some kind of irrational thing. Oh, there's a piece of me that wants to come right back and say, well, you're rational or my rational? Well, let's try another scene right here. And I will use one of the examples from Wittgenstein is what we we're who we we're talking about. And he talks about it's not unheard of that a king of a primitive tribe, whatever might have been uh, taught from birth, that the world began existing when that person began existing. So this thing that all of us take for granted mm -hmm. that, of course, the world has existed before I have this person actually believes otherwise. And so sure. let's do that. You are the missionary. You can make up whatever character you want to be. I'm just in my room with all my cushions. Mm -hmm. Thank you, your highness, for granting this audience. I understand you don't always take kindly to foreigners. Uh, I feel honored that you've accepted my invitation to meet and chat with you. Foreigners often amuse me. I like to hear their silly ideas. So come in. Come in and sit down. You may use the red fluffy cushion. Certainly. I don't want to be untowards. As you may know, I represent a powerful kingdom and have been sent as an emissary to both shake hands and offer peace as well as potentially trade opportunities and perhaps even uh, share some of our faith with your people. Well, who is the leader of your, of your land? Well, currently our leader is King Charles V, 
son of the great King James of, of the land, and he the son of another wonderful king, also the son of another wonderful king. And through a hundred years of lineage, we have arrived at our present King Charles. Hmm. You must be confused. That's really a lot of generations to happen in a, a mere eight years for, a, of course, that's how the old the earth is, because that's how old I am. The, the earth began on my birthday, is what my nanny tells me. Okay. Were we all born on your birthday or just sprang into existence on your, on your birthday? I have seen children being born, and I know that the ones who were born after me that I've seen, they look younger than I do. So I have to assume that people who look older than I do, like you, uh-huh. merely sprang into existence as adults. Interesting. What about my memories of childhood, my memories of an earlier existence? Well, tell me about these. I remember being a boy and running around, and I lived on a farm where we had sheep and some cows, and then I was sent off to missionary school where I studied Latin and many old texts and was put in the ploy of of the king. I understand. So you are not yourself a king, and so you are fallible, and so you might be, I mean... I don't want to be offensive, but my understanding is that the kings who are, I guess, all eight years old, all knowing, at least I am, I haven't met the other kings directly, but everybody else is foolish and fallible and they might think all sorts of wrong things because that's part of being a foreigner is you don't acknowledge the truth. Could could the person who taught you that you are infallible, are they fallible? Nanny is fallible about many things. Sometimes she says, you've already had your breakfast. And I say, no, 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 give me a, another breakfast. I have not had the first breakfast. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. She brings two or three breakfasts. So I, she can be wrong. Nanny can be wrong. About simple things. She's wrong about saying that the world started when you were born. I mean, it seems very strange that that would be something she would be wrong about. I mean, you're not allowed to lie to the king because then you're sure, beheaded. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so being wrong about that, it would mean she would have to wrongly remember coming into existence eight years ago? That seems really unlikely. Well, what about your parents? Were they ever children? I don't know what, I don't your have mother, parents. The person who bore you. I sprang from the earth, I guess. That's what Nanny tells me. Do you remember being a child? Do you remember little snippets of pictures or little things from schooling? Or I don't know that I was technically ever a child, but the thing that is comparable when I was not able to walk and to talk and some of the characteristics that are ordinarily associated with being a child. Yes, I had some of those things. And yes, I remember, uh, I mean, it's, it usually was pretty much the same stuff I did now is what I do then. That I, if I ask for something, if I whine, then it, it's brought before me. Well, I would be lying if I told you the message, the good news I have involves a man who lived 1,200 years ago and had a message of peace and love and acceptance. And I, I'd be lying to you if I said that was not one reason why I was here. Yeah, no, it's good that you're not lying to me. I mean, I'll tell you that foreigners, I understand, have their crazy foreign ways. Mm-hmm. And so if they lie to the king, we don't behead them. We just, you know, we'll send you on your way. But after the first, I don't know, there were a lot of heads. And so that's uh, a rule that I came up with is that it's okay if foreigners lie a little bit as long as it doesn't injure my feelings. Sure, sure. Uh, what about books? You've read some books. Were they, were they written after you were born? Or stories of past kings or stories of any story that took place in the past? Although they just sprung into existence eight years ago? Well, you know that things in stories are not necessarily real. 
I learned that at least three years ago. So can we just presume that there are people who are older, although those stories may not be real, they still exist? I mean, the stories, I, I don't know why you'd say the existence of the stories shows that people older than me existed. I mean, the stories existed. The stories are real. When did the number two come into existence? When did the number three? Eight years ago. Eight years ago, Your Highness. But in a sense, I could see how even though they were not instantiated until eight years ago when things came into existence, but the ideas themselves weren't in anybody's heads. But I tend to think that when we grasp a mathematical truth, for instance, we're not grasping something that we've created. There might be some sort of non-physical elements that existed before eight years ago, but creation refers to the created things. You know, this is all very simple. I'm not sure why I'm having to explain this to you. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated. I am fascinated, Your Highness. Absolutely fascinated with your eloquence and with your reasoning ability. I'm very good for an eight-year-old. And if I appear to be testing or probing, it is simply to find the limits, which I have not found, and I'm not even sure if there are. We could certainly, if, if the number two did not exist until eight years ago, it doesn't stop me from pretending that writing a story about things that may involve the number two in the past, uh, a past that never existed. We could imagine that. Yes. If there are ideas such as the number, the numbers that could have some, I don't know if you want to say before eight years ago, because I, I would think that time really doesn't exist until there are things to move in time for time to affect. That one I'm not really sure about, mm -hmm. but I've definitely thought about it a lot. I suppose that there could be truths about the numbers also okay. that existed, you know, that, that two plus two equals four, not just that two exists in some form. So in that sense, a story, that's a story about two and two and four. And so you could have stories about all sorts of uninstantiated things, but they're merely fantasies and they weren't put in a book until there could be paper on which to put them and people on which to put them on paper. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure what, what you think happened here that somehow... I think you're absolutely correct. And I think you might also say, you've probably heard, I'm sure Nanny has told you some stories and, and maybe read some fairy tales and things of, of things that imaginarily took place in the past, but they still might be good stories. You still might find joy in them. You still might find interest. And they still might find them intriguing, even though that they are, they are still stories. Yes, it is careful because you don't want to lie to the king and the fiction is a murky, you know, is fiction a lie as long as I know. And before a certain point, I didn't know. I didn't know. So she would always say, once upon a time about, this is a number that would be based on my age at the time, but if it was told to me now, about seven years and uh, 11 months and 13 days ago, there was a giant and, you know, th that kind of stuff. I think time is a, a sort of asymptotal, I believe is the word, so that it seems many, many of the stories really happened in those like three days after I was born and it kind of like gets to the minute and the second and then you could just, so I think that's what's going on with all your generations that you're talking about is that, you know, of course they came into existence eight years ago, but a lot could happen in a very short time. Sure, including... The Life and Works of a Man Named Jesus. Can we talk about this now? Are we ready for this conversation? Why don't you just invite him to talk to me directly? Well, <laughs> this is where it gets interesting. In those minuscule seconds of your birth, a man was born, lived an entire life, and was killed. That's very sad. That's very sad that that could happen so quickly. Exactly. And his message of peace and joy and acceptance is a beautiful message. And it's all written down in this book. 
You can call them stories. You can call them whatever you like. You can call them all taking place in that thin sliver of time as you were born. Pardon me. Manifested. Sprung upon the earth. I still use the word born. It's fine. It's just that I was the only one who was really born. And everybody else, it's something that's like being born. But they they like to use the word. I'm okay with it. Well, your grandparents. What about, uh, do you have grandparents? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, what about your, your kingdom here? Who founded your kingdom? I clearly did myself. And the crown you wear and the robes, which are maybe a little large for your present frame. I don't remember necessarily making them. Perhaps they sprung into being with me. I'm not claiming agency in all this. The fact that nothing happened before I was born. In fact, that phrase doesn't even make sense. Before I was born. <laughs> well, I mean, it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. You have, do you have cats in your, your kingdom? Oh, yes. Okay. They're very cute. Do, do you want to see some? Oh, I've, we have plenty where, where I live as well. You may, you may have noticed that cats have fleas, yeah? Tiny little bugs. You barely, you barely see the things. Yes, and I was thinking that that sounds like the person you were mentioning, mm-hmm. you know, who was just born and had such a brief life and then died. Like, it seems amazing that a flea would produce well, something of such lasting, apparently what you consider lasting value. I tend to think that, you know, something that's really worth probably still be here many people of my faith would consider referring to jesus as a flea as highly insulting but uh i'm not one of them i am not one of them uh, especially in your presence your highness now imagine this is anything smaller than a flea i assume the flea's lunch there we go is it possible that a flea may have a flea an even smaller thing that lives upon that we can't see smaller than our eyes can possibly make out can a flea have a flea i wouldn't know let's do some studies are you asking for money for some sort of foundation to explore this? That is a fantastic idea. I wish I had thought of it. And frankly, I hadn't until you brought it up. Because there might be a more inspirational thing. If your little flea produced uh, Doubt it. such an inspirational thing that, that the fleas flee, if that's really the source of inspiration, it seems like, you know, how much wisdom can you pack into a microsecond? So the smaller the thing the more wisdom potentially could come out of it. It's sort of like an atomic explosion. I think that's that's fascinating. I think just getting you to accept this idea that there may be things beyond our perception that exist, yet we cannot perceive them. The fleas flee. I mean, yes, the music of the universe before time existed. I, I'm very willing to accept that. All I know is that the material world and I are, let's say, coterminal. Well, so when I die, you know... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's like the world will uh, awake from its dream or rather the dream will just be over. So uh, you better hope I don't die. Who is dreaming that dream? It's just an analogy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I know it's hard to take that kind of thing too literally. Some people with smaller minds, you know, like your flea might think that, yeah, and that's, that's not an insult. You know, let having that slide. a different sized mind, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's inferior. It's just a, uh, you wouldn't mind if I dropped off a couple of hundred books here for, for your citizens and your people to read. If it doesn't mean oh, anything. and That sounds great. Awesome. I mean, we always need more firewood. So, Well, I mean, books to read. after the, If you'd like to wish to burn them after you read them, that's totally fine, too. But yeah, it's just ecologically sound. We had them translated into your language so your people can, can read them. And we're excited for that. There isn't actually, even though I say it's ecologically sound, a whole lot of reason to conserve resources because, you know, once I'm dead, the whole world is dead. So it's like, that, we didn't even catch that. We did a lot. We do a lot of burning of things, you know, because it's really fun. I mean, you, you could just, is your kingdom 
It has a lot of books, you said. Does it have a lot of other flammable things in it? Uh, it has a lot of knights and archers, which are technically flammable. All right. All right. Which, <laughs> you know, we, we can bring them over if you like. We're just, just exploring possibilities here. I mean, do you have an army? Do you have a military? Do you have? I've yeah, seen a few I, guards around with axes and pole arms, but I haven't really seen a cavalry division or anything. There are things beyond your perception. Touche. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Uh, Indeed, I, I I'll leave the uh, paperwork with your uh, servant over here. Little trade deals and things, uh, you know. Get your John Hancock on those things, and we'll we'll work this out. And I'll leave some. Uh, all right, a just leave, of yeah, Bibles leave, leave, here. Leave with we'll, with Barry there. You got it. All right. Hey Barry, just just kill him. The end. We did it. Let me stop and tell you about another podcast. You might look at your favorite comedians and think they're so successful, they're so confident. Well. Guess what? They're just hanging by a thread like all of us on the self-esteem party podcast. The comedian and self-proclaimed superstar Alana Johnston interviews one of her showbiz pals and dives right into the core of who they really are and how they feel about themselves. Alana playfully guides her friends through their own self-exploration while simultaneously cracking them up. It's the perfect blend of comedy and honesty. Each guest reveals a different struggle with their own self-esteem, self-image, self-care. So next time you're feeling down on yourself, check out Self-Esteem Party and let Alana cheer you right up. New episodes every Tuesday at thesonarnetwork.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. So what do you think about that? Hey, if you're going to be crazy, if you're going to be like, have these strange, weird beliefs, Rather than dissuading you, maybe I should just try to use your own beliefs as a weapon against you to get you to bend to what I want. And uh, <laughs> Well, and you might have been onto something in terms of when Wittgenstein talks about this, he says, if you ran across a king such as this, you couldn't just reason them out. Sure. Because it's like too foundational for them. If you were able to change their mind, it would have to be a kind of a conversion experience. There we go. Yeah. It would be very profound. It would be like a religious conversion. And I think one of the ways that you could do that as the sly, if you're lucky enough, I think most people in that position are not lucky enough to run into a regime that is so permissive. I guess that's actually how it worked. Oh, gosh, I don't know the history of China, for instance, very well. This might be totally wrong, but it'll work as for explanatory purposes. Originally, it was just like, oh, come on in. Oh, wait, you've converted half of our populace. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, now we'll start murdering you. There was at least one Scorsese movie that was sort of founded on that where some missionaries were killed in brutal ways and maybe this was Japan and not China. I don't even know. I don't remember offhand, but they finally had to come down that you need a religion that's going to uh, defend itself somehow. You can subvert people's political allegiances by altering their religious or cultural allegiances. I have heard people describe Confucianism as not a religion, but just a way of life. And if everyone buys into it, and fits their need, and whatever Confucius said, you live, all right, you're a this, you're a that, great. Then you can have a, a society. You know, society needs order. Society needs rules. Doesn't matter what those rules are. Doesn't matter what the order is, as long as everyone buys it. If everyone buys into the, the rules, even though they're arbitrary, you can have a successful society. 
Did I just mangle Confucianism or get enough right to be wrong or get it pretty close? <laughs> what you're saying is actually making me wonder something orthogonal to that. There we go. I mean, I guess this is something from Karl Marx, which, sure. which is, you know, you get people going through the motions and then the belief goes along with that. So what you're talking about in terms of putting a society together, this is why reactionary elements within religions might be just like, wait a second. We thought that, you know, we were maintaining Christianity or whatever it is, but the religion of capitalism, the religion of the West, the thing that that society is putting forward to make itself into a cohesive whole, you know, they might still call themselves Christian or call themselves whatever, but they're not, you know, they're milk toast capitalist Americans. So whatever they might call themselves, you know, it's just the fact that we have sort of multiple levels of ways that you could identify yourself. Are you a, a Southerner? Are you a, you know, this religion? Are you an American? And again, it's not even all just how you name yourself. Your behaviors could just determine that you are in fact part of this society of practice. And could we say that the ease at which any American can find a affinity, a group with which they feel affinity towards and solely live inside that group with their online presence and with the media they select, that that is eroding society and getting us all thinking and feeling that we are not one society, but different parts of society. And that the most reactionary in politics today have one thing that's right. And that is that we all need to be, to believe at least one basic set of things. If their basic set of things is that women should be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, I would push back there, but we all need to buy into something. We all need to believe the same set of things, even if they don't withstand scientific rigor that society is only founded upon communal shared beliefs. What do you think political liberalism, which doesn't refer to the Democratic Party or anything like that? Have you heard that term? John Rawls is the guy that stands for this. Are you? I've heard the name John Rawls. He's more contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. So he's 20th century. So political liberalism is supposed to mean, and this is why when conservatives who are non-Trumpians say, I'm a classical liberal or whatever, not a, you know, a Democrat liberal. What they mean is that, yes, for our kind of democracy in particular to stand together, there has to be a beliefs in freedom of speech, freedom of association, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But beyond that, the government should not be dictating how you feel about stuff. Yeah. And so we want to just have rules that protect minority opinions, but it's okay to have minority opinions. You know, if you think somebody's saying something objectionable, something racist, just argue with them. That's fine. You don't yeah. prohibit them from saying it. As opposed to communitarians, which argue a little more like what you just directly said, which <laughs> is what holds us together is some foundation that can't just be some abstract, generalized respect for everybody, but that doesn't actually, it just means I will not interfere. It has to be like, we need to be singing songs together. We need to have patriotism. We need to have something that is actually unifying culturally. And that is the sort of ultimately more conservative element that then when you're describing how the internet, oh, people are joining with their peers, you know, joining with their like-minded people. And that's why society is breaking down. I'm sort of seeing that as like, well, if you're in Iran, sure. you're in a theocracy <laughs> and you get to get online and talk with people that are not putting women in little tiny boxes or whatever, like, yeah. How freeing and awesome is that? Because I want them to escape, even if, you know, of course, it's because I don't live in Iran. I don't know how their society works. I might feel differently if I was there, but I would at least hope, you know, that there's not actual anarchy and yeah. people killing each other in the streets because 
too many people are on the internet being fragmented. It's reassuring to know that my question, other people have asked that question. How about this? And this is, this is something I've heard is that the notion of freedom of speech, and this is kind of my thing. We just invented that. That, that doesn't exist in nature. You can't go look under rocks and find freedom of speech. The problem with that liberalist argument is that it does not take into account corrupt people, people who in their heart of hearts do not believe in freedom of speech. We're having a little uptick in fascism around the globe right now. And I think that some of those Mm -hmm. people in their hearts of hearts want power, want money, don't want freedom of speech. If you could really analyze their souls and that that is a bad thing. And that if we want to be liberal, that we do have to draw some lines, fire in a crowded theater. While we all, we presume we all want to engage in debate, there are people who don't want to engage in debate. And in fact, use our willingness to engage in debate and our goodwill to spread their nastiness. Does that make sense? That's the rub, I guess. You're, you're getting at the whole debate that's going on right now about this, is that the people on the left that don't want racist speech out there are being accused of being against free speech. Because yes, technically they are trying to, but they're, they were responding in the way that you are and saying, well, we believe in speech founded on the premise of free speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so fascism by its nature is not just like expressing some racist sentiment, but is saying, if I take you seriously and you're saying that this group is degenerate or whatever, then yes, I would not give them the freedom to be autonomous. You know, I would consider them to be children or whatever, you know, somebody who needs to be led in some way. And so that's at least the charge is, all speech is allowed except for speech that would be self-contradictory, right? Because it's like, it's, I'm for free speech, but the thing that I'm advocating, as you say, would ultimately lead to its dissolution. Not free speech. Yeah. You could say that a white supremacist, a white supremacist mindset would devalue the speech of non-white people and not be pro-free speech or white supremacist ideals discount the free speech of others and are therefore not compatible with a society that believes in free speech. Yeah, I'm not 100% convinced that those... That white supremacy is wrong? No, no, no. Mark, Mark, oh my gosh. That the self-contradictoriness argument actually works. Like you could just be like... Well, I mean, that's... I'm just a racist. I'm not a... Let the people who I consider inferior say everything they want. It's just I'm going to be racist about that and want to discount that. Um, It could just be, this is why every regime that sort of has authoritarian tendencies or... They want to set things up. Yeah, yeah, do whatever you like. But once you start being seditious, you know, that sort of undermines the fact that we, the government or whoever, you know, whatever, the society has set this forum out. So that's, it seems like sedition itself, not anti-free speech. It's just that, you know, we have this liberal democracy. And so free speech is part of the way that we express what our identity is. But couldn't you have some other society that's just like, well, this is our identity and here's our forum to talk within it. And you can say whatever you want, but come on, if you start saying there is no God, then like you're just undermining everything because people who don't believe in God have no values and are nihilistic, are trying to destroy the entire fact. So in other words, there's something self-contradictory in someone who is coming forth and trying to argue a point, but yet doesn't believe in God. I could see a similar argument being made along those lines or come up with your own whatever you think is the cultural bedrock. A word that has come to my attention in the last six or eight years is specious. 
uh, and <laughs> you know, it's like, and the second I was like, oh, oh, that's what I mean. Got it. That makes sense. I've I've heard that and seen that a lot. The idea that someone is disingenuous with their point. Yeah, I'm imagining that they believe it. But yes, of course, you can <laughs> put these things. B- believe it for the sake of convenience. Believe it in order to forward some uber greater political expediency. They'll they'll believe whatever they want to believe. Your podcast, the partially examined life. Is it someone who has partially examined their life and wishes to examine more, or is partially examined? Yeah, that's it. I'm done. That's enough. <laughs> you know, it's huh, a purpose. To- it's a purposefully <laughs> ambiguous thing, but it sort of comes from the idea that you can't fully examine your life. And that you are fooling yourself if you think you have done so. Certainly you can't examine it all at the same time, right? That there are, this is entirely relevant to what we're saying right now, is that there are baseline assumptions, even the fact that I think you are worth talking to right now, or that it's worth podcasting right now to all these people, that if I were then to question those while I'm doing this, there would be some something self-contradictory about that. So I could maybe tomorrow question, should I talk to Bill anymore? Should I podcast anymore? <laughs> But like, it doesn't make any sense to do it while you're doing it. So there's, you know, you're looking one direction, the back of your head is not going to be visible. That at least is part of what partially examined is about. Sure. You understand my point that many people have little to no interest to truly examine their life and they aren't necessarily broken because of that. Yeah. It's an ongoing thing of like, how seriously am I going to examine any one thing? If you're just like, I got to make rent, I got to do the stuff. Yeah. Then you're not going to be just like, well, maybe I'll just stay home. And question that. How much are you going to question your need to eat? How much are you going to question when you're born in, as a millionaire? Yeah, whether you deserve I'm, But you could, of course, then see somebody going through a philanthropic phase or making that direction of your life. And the same thing, changing their diet. Like, of course, you don't. You still have to eat something. But you might be like, I think that Soylent, is that what they call the product that's actually for sale? Do they? Soylent Green? Well, Soylent Green was from the movie. But I believe that somebody made a product that's just like, food is a thing of the past. <laughs> uh, we've created a nutritional drink. We'll call it Soylent more or less as a joke because it has everything you need and you don't have to waste time. You just drink three shakes a day or whatever it is. And then I don't want to advertise this thing that is probably, if you haven't heard of it, is probably thoroughly discredited by it. Wouldn't, wouldn't put it past. In <laughs> fact, I wouldn't be surprised if several people have tried to make products over the last 10, 20 years that are either puns or straight lifts of Soylent. The idea, it, it has become a word, nutrition paste, you know, I think is, uh, or just pills. Everyone in, in the future just eats pills, food pills, you know, would not be surprised if, and you know, people might start it kind of semi-ironically, but then people would, there would be people who would take it. It sounds like you're just talking about something as opposed to being it in a scene. Any guesses what my lesson is? You, you would never guess. You'd never guess what my lesson is but I may just have to tell it to you. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Please tell me. And I will chat you a suggestion. But the idea is this. We can generate absurdity and perhaps, you know, stubbornness by taking a behavior and putting it in a context it doesn't belong. I took this idea of stubbornness, made it a doctor. A doctor would never be so stubborn. A doctor, that's ridiculous. They would do other things or they wouldn't just be so insistent. So I was not in on this because then in the second scene, being a dick is is kind of exactly <laughs> what kings are about. If anything, there was tolerance for your heretical opinions that did not belong in that uh, kingdom. Yes. Well, I was being a little specious, perhaps. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was playing you to get the good word. to get. So I'm going to text you a behavior 
And it's going to be your job to take that behavior and put it into an occupation or relationship that it, it doesn't belong. I will say this paramedic is the king of it doesn't belong because the only behavior a paramedic is allowed to have is competency and urgence. And <laughs> anything other than that is, is wildly out of place. All right. Well, using that, welcome to my, my mortuary. I understand that uh, you're trying to make arrangements for your loved one. What? Tell me yeah, about your... So, so my, my, my grandpa, Steve, yeah. I was the oldest son, and it kind of fell on me to get all these arrangements done. He's over at the hospital now. We just want to find a funeral home that'll take care of him. Yeah, over at the hospital now. I always wanted to, to expand my empire to run a hospital as well as just a mortuary to get them not just when they're dead, but when they're not quite dead. Huh. That'd be some, okay, something. Okay. So, so again, if we could just, you know, uh, speed this along, that'd be great. I got a lot of little, I'm sure you understand, a lot of boxes to tick here, a lot of family to call and arrangements to make. So, yeah, for sure. I'm assuming you have your own services and whatnot. Yeah, no, we, we, we uh, are. So, which, which hospital is this? Over at uh, General, okay. downtown. Yeah, downtown. We can have your grandfather over here very soon. Can you uh, fill out the form? Sure, sure. To, yeah. You know, with his name and you know other information about him. I know we can do. I, I'm sorry to you know be asking you to do this now. We can fill in a lot of the details later, but we have to know at least like you know how big to make the coffin, how uh, standard. And I don't know their sizes. Uh, it's about five ten. I mean, two, they have there's like the slim. And you save a little bit on the materials. Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine with just. Standard, okay, regular, so not a, medium. Not a, not a really portly gentleman? No, no. I mean, a bit of a paunch, you know, about 5'10", 225. That'd be my guess. You probably lost some weight in the hospital, I'm not going to lie. But um, this won't be open casket. This won't be, this should be real straightforward. Just feel, there's a lot, of, a lot of questions here. Is this, is everything? Yeah, and, and the, okay? the part You're about fantasies, just... if you want to be general about that, you know, but the more specific you can be, the better, because... Are these his his fantasies? Yes. Yeah, yeah because we want to... The wishes of the deceased, I understand how you could want more, you could be frustrated, and and when you hit death, like, there's just nothing more you could do. But yet, we can provide one last little bit more for your grandfather. Um, He always wanted to learn to fly a plane, but I, I don't, is that a fantasy or just an unfulfilled, I'm going to put pilot's license if that's okay. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of, depending on your budget, there's a second, several page. ways that we could, there's a second, yeah. there's another page of things to fill out. Yeah. So if you want to, there's a space there where you could draw, there's I different could, reasons you might want to be a pilot. If, if it's really about the prestige, that's one thing. If it's about the soaring bird, like, I mean, he's a spirit now, so he, probably could do that and we could have that reflected in the service we'll probably have the service at the church we just needed more mortuary services we'll probably have the service at the at the church if that's okay okay all right i mean if you want to if you want to go that route are you i mean did he want to be a clergyman no it's just that we were he was he was a long-standing member of the church and at the okay, okay. on the committee and you know a trustee committee and whatnot board of trustees was he happy with that or did he want did he want uh, more did he want to be in charge of the church? Did he want to? He was just at the church. I, I don't know what his, his ultimate goals were. He was on the. Usually, you know, if you're at the church, you're like looking up at the people that are on the, the, the stage, the altar. Okay, I'm over now here. He's gonna, over, you've he's going to get off. to be on the altar himself. He's going to get to be the center of that attention. Uh-huh. And I, I imagine that that's, that's going to feel pretty good. Well, he's dead. All right. 
I mean, if you think about it that way, then why treat him with respect at all? But, you know, so I think of him as in a state of transition. That's fine. Look, this is for the family, all right? And all of his loved ones, they want they want an opportunity yeah, to say course, goodbye, to send the guy off, all right? This is why I have more copies of the modified form, because I'd like, you know, each of your loved ones... To draw a picture. each of, To draw pictures of him. So that everybody can have some input into the, the burial... Are we going with burial? Are we going with cremation? He already has a plot. Okay, all right. My mother already died several years ago. We have a plot. It's all, I have the information here. Okay. There's a lot of pages to this thing. And some of them are just. So like if you're. I don't have any colored pencils. It calls for colored pencils. Is this this for real? Do you have children? Yes, I have children and grandchildren and and expecting some grandchildren as well. Okay. Because they love. I want Grampy to be. They're a little freaked out. Can I just be. They're a little freaked out right now. Can I tell you that right now? They saw his heart attack. They were there for it. It was at a family barbecue. Everyone's a little freaked out. I just need you to do what you do. Put that body in that box, take it to the church, and then shuttle us over to the cemetery. That's really all I need. Of course. Thank you. I just want you to to keep in mind, it's not his journey to the end. I'll keep that in mind. It's your journeys. Okay. To his end. You know what? Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. I'm just going to doodle here for... for okay, dude, stop doodling. Okay. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> okay. Not bad. So you, told, you sent me Dreamer. Yes. And yeah. I wasn't really sure how to, how to combine <laughs> a Dreamer with a mortician well, that's because just it all it. just seems irrelevant. Yes. It doesn't make sense. We can draw some humor from that. And who... Someone's trying to think of something funny to do. Oh, I have a funny idea. It's like, no, just take any behavior, put it where it doesn't belong, and we can generate absurdity and some craziness. I thought that was fun, right? You did, did a fair job with that. And you also, when I got mad, you retreated a little bit, right? You don't want to lose the sale. You got rent to pay. So if I'm starting to get agitated, you can retreat. But it doesn't mean you change who you are. I thought that was real sharp, right? That was real sharp. All right. Well, one of these times... Take the compliment. That was very sharp. We're going to have you be the irrational person because we're still... <laughs> I feel very self-absorbed in these things. Uh, I want to make you look good. I know that's a thing I'm supposed to do. Thank so uh, we're going to wrap this up. We've gone nice and long, but you know, for a, for a no guest one where we're not humoring someone and letting them talk. Oh, geez. What humoring a- is exactly the word <laughs> that came to my mind. <laughs> oh boy. So long listeners. Thanks for humoring us by letting us go on and on in your ears. Super fun, everybody. Thanks. For, thanks for having us. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed the show. Get more at philosophyimprov.com. If you want to support the show and not have to hear any more commercials and get our post-game segments where Bill and I and sometimes guests will elaborate on some things that came up in the episode, reflect on the future, and share our recommendations in the philosophy and comedy worlds, you can see options to do that at philosophyimprov.com slash support. Thanks. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.